Thank you for joining me this week on Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. I'll be discussing the 1976 UFO incident that occurred on the Canary Islands, as well as covering various other UFO topics and UFO-related stories. One thing that has really been has really struck a nerve for me lately is everyone harping on this whole cancer cult cancer cancel it's more of a cancer the cancel culture phenomenon where everything is offensive and everyone's getting offended and wanting to take this book off the shelves or no longer allow this song to be played or take this episode off of the tv show and and censor it or remove it or someone's offended by this someone's offended by that no matter how you slice it Art is art, and people will be offended as well as those who are amazed by the piece. Whether it be literature or some sort of visual stimuli, there's always been controversy surrounding different forms of art. And I am a child. When I was a child, I was raised during a time where the likes of Tipper Gore and other political pundits were screaming in the streets about things that were going to hurt you, things that were going to damage your psyche, things that were going to destroy the youth of America. I'm your host, Neil Parks. And in regards to the cancel culture and the boomers who are insisting that people like me, who are a mouthpiece to an audience or to a generation, need to stand up and call a spade a spade because it's an infringement of our First Amendment rights, blah, blah, blah. My answer to that is really quite simple. I was born in 1975. I'm Generation X and was a Generation X child raised during the Satanic Panic era where both Republicans and Democrats worked tirelessly to ban heavy metal music, rap music, certain board games, certain books, Dungeons and Dragons, the TV show Murphy Brown because she had a child out of wedlock, comic books, MTV for sex, drugs, and rock and roll, PBS for deflowering family values with their socialist programming, and Ellen for opening up on her show about being gay. Now, these are the same lunatics who believed that playing a hard rock record backwards would lead you to either smoke dope, kill your parents, drink blood, do gay stuff, sacrifice animals, and the list goes on. I was raised during the time of parental advisory stickers as they were being slapped on everything from music to movies and video games. We were told that if gays were in our military, that they would either rape all straight men or turn straight men gay. I was also warned that gays shouldn't be allowed to adopt children because they could molest them. There were stories fed to me about satanic nurses working in nursing homes and children's hospitals, and they would murder patients in the name of Satan. Let us not forget about the serial killer AIDS victims who were allegedly placing hypodermic needles under gas pump handles, movie theater seats, and phone booths as a way to infect everyone. I was told that Procter & Gamble was funneling money to the satanic church and that we wouldn't buy their products because it supported Satan. 
I remember the youth group outings, meetings, and church camps where youth leaders would try to convince me to bring in my secular music so we could toss it into a bonfire like a bunch of book-burning Nazis. I was conditioned and manipulated for decades thanks to the 700 Club, Rush Limbaugh, Focus on the Family, and many other ultra-conservative mouthpieces. I've seen it all, heard it all, read it all, and now I'm seeing the exact same cycle begin again. Now the same boomers who censored, controlled, lied about, and manipulated every aspect of my formative years expect me and my generation of Xers to rise up and stand with them against relabeling Mr. Potato Head, the editing of certain Dr. Seuss books, certain types of music that is now deemed inappropriate, certain movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, etc., and control the status quo for younger generations and the sanctity of the First Amendment? You've got to be out of your damn minds. You people created this trend. You are the masters of this movement, and you expect me to call it out? The things that are being changed now and altered now and improved upon are for the betterment of our society. You can kiss my ass and ride off into the sunset atop the raggedy ass horse you rode in on, you self-righteous hypocrites. Don't you dare play the victim card in this situation after victimizing so many of us for more than half a century. And now a word from our sponsor. As now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Topic of discussion, the 1976 Canary Islands sphere incident. Not only is the 1976 sighting of a strange sphere over the Canary Islands one witnessed by multiple people, it is also one that firmly links extraterrestrials, or non-human life at the very least, with the sighting. Witnesses ranged from military servicemen, police officers, and medical professionals to the average tourist or resident of that area. In short, its credibility was sound. The incident was documented in the immediate aftermath via a military investigation. However, it would fully come to light following the Spanish government's decision to declassify their UFO files in 1994. It remains one of the most bizarre incidents in the recent history of the Canary Islands and could quite possibly be one of the most credible encounters in recent UFO history. As we will look at later, in the opening years of the 2000s, several UFO sightings surfaced, which might suggest further activity in the region. One of the most recent, in fact, would evoke memories of the famous sighting of the mid-1970s. Thousands of people witnessed the strange sphere on the evening of the 22nd, June 1976. Residents of the Canary Islands would see and report bizarre lights in the sky overhead. The reports were likely in the hundreds, although newspaper headlines the following day suggested thousands of people had seen the bizarre display. The lights themselves performed maneuvers that known aircraft were simply not capable of. And furthermore, these movements were not of any known natural object. Perhaps the people in the most intriguing reports, however, were those that claimed to have witnessed aliens within the strange crafts. The Spanish Air Force would investigate the sightings 
and would send a basic report to journalist J.J. Benzentes, while Benzentes would conduct his own extensive research. It wasn't until the aforementioned releasing of the military files in 1994 on the case that the full picture was made available. It would seem the Spanish naval vessel, the Entrevida, had been the first to raise the alarm of the strange lights. They would send a report from their position at 9.27 p.m. They would state that an intense yellowish-bluish light was heading in their direction from the shore. It would suddenly become stationary before a luminous beam from it began to rotate. After two minutes, the beam disappeared, and in its place, an intense, great halo of yellowish-bluish light developed. The object remained there for 40 minutes in full view of the entire crew. The naval report continues that the light split into two parts. Two minutes after the great halo first appeared, the smallest part would move to beneath the halo, while the larger part would climb in a spiral, rapid and irregular, way before vanishing. All the while, the halo remained in place. Several minutes after this detailed account from the Entrevita came sightings from civilians, and these reports came from all parts of the islands. Society included professionals such as doctors and teachers, which, rightly or wrongly, always lends credence to such reports. With no military or civilian aircraft airborne that evening, there should have been nothing in the sky, and even if a private flyer had made their way up unbeknown, they surely couldn't be in possession of such a phenomenally futuristic-looking craft. The reports from residents began to separate themselves into two groups. There was the large object of intense yellowish-blue light as seen by the crew, and then there were sightings of this smaller sphere-like object which housed several alien entities. If these seemingly outlandish sightings of extraterrestrial navigated orbs had come from one or two of the population, then the military general who commissioned the investigation could have put them down to overactive imaginations, yet they did not. They came from multiple people with the same descriptions and details. Several of them offer details so precise they stand out from the others. The detailed account of Dr. Francisco Padron Leon, for example, makes for fascinating reading. And now a word from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. The detailed account of Dr. Francisco Padron Leon, for example, makes for fascinating reading. Dr. Leon, who lived in the city of Guay, claimed he was on his way in a taxi cab to an emergency house call in Las Rosas. As they drove along the road, the headlights of the taxi lit up a luminous spherical object ahead. They couldn't tell if the object hovered just above or rested on the ground, but that is 
where it was without a doubt. As both men looked intently at the object, they could see it was made of crystal-like material and was completely transparent. A blue color shined across the object and each man could see what looked like stars inside. In the middle of the inside of the craft was a control panel of sorts. It appeared to be made of shiny material similar to aluminum. On each side of the panel were two human figures dressed completely in red and each between 8 to 10 feet tall. The sphere then began to enlarge until it became the size of a 20-story house. The control panel and the two humanoids, however, remained the same size. As it grew, it would rise up into the air. The home of the doctor's house call was only yards away. Dr. Leon left the vehicle as the craft continued to rise, banging out the door and telling those inside to come out. They did, and they would see the sphere rising. It would begin to pick up speed, eventually at a blistering pace. It would shoot out of sight in the direction of the tenor life. Events are true and proven fact. One of the members of the family inside the house awaiting the visit of Dr. Leon would claim that just before his knocks on the door, the television they were watching suddenly went black. At the same time, the family's dog began to bark and growl nervously. When she looked outside, she would confirm details offered by the doctor and the taxi driver, including the presence of two humanoid figures inside the craft and its sudden growth and disappearance. There were several other sightings throughout 1976. None of them, however, matched the detail offered by Dr. Leon, perhaps the words of the general who commissioned the report the days following the wave of the reports on the 22nd of June, summed it up best. He would state the fact that a very large and very strange, peculiar aerial phenomena occurred on the night of the 22nd of June is a true and proven fact, as incredible as its behavior and conditions may seem. And there's continued sightings that have occurred over the Canary Islands in the early 2000s, the first decade, in fact, of the 2000s. Several UFO sightings were reported over the Canary Islands, uh, one of which, an example of uh, one in 2004, an Italian national employed in the area would claim he and his secretary witnessed a luminous orange sphere in the sky at a little after 6 p.m. in the evening. The object was visible for around a minute. Two years later, in the summer of 2006, over the island of Tenerlite, several sightings were reported to a local newsroom of strange static white lights. At the same time, several residents would report electrical devices ranging from televisions to refrigerators suddenly breaking down. Authorities would state the lights and the electrical malfunctions were likely an unfortunate result of preparations for an upcoming royal visit, however. In 2008, in November, in the Lanzarot, Pierto del Carmen region, a British husband and wife would witness two yellow-orange lights from the top patio of the villa where they were staying. The husband had spent considerable amounts of time in the RAF and knew the objects were nothing that he had encountered previously. The lights would dance in the sky as they headed towards them, then, with no warning, they turned away and went towards the islands of Fetinvira. Several months later, in March 2009, in the 
Playa Blanca area of Lanzorite, another holidaying couple witnessed a bright light, which they at first thought was a rescue helicopter, began to plummet towards them. The couple were walking towards their hotel at that time following dinner, and it was a little after 8 p.m. Suddenly, the object stopped slightly above them and held purposely still overhead, and then moved away from them to a great speed, stopping at another location for a moment before moving off again and eventually out of sight. Two incidences of the 2000s in this region, however, stand out. And there's also a question of portals over the Canary Islands. On the 9th of September 2007, in the middle of the afternoon, two American expats witnessed a UFO over the Canary Islands for almost four hours. The husband and wife were enjoying the afternoon in their garden when they would spot a silvery object in the sky. It appeared to be circling the area below it, but it bore no resemblance to a helicopter or an airplane. When the witness looked at the object through binoculars, he could see it twisting and folding into itself, despite there being no wind. This, he felt, indicated the motion was of its own accord and power. When a second bright oblong object arrived seemingly out of nowhere, the expat went to retrieve his camera from inside the house. As he did, he turned his attention back to the sky for a moment. He could clearly see a triangular window as if it had been ripped into the atmosphere. He could even see a rippling area around the edges of this window. Suddenly, he noticed two bright oblong-shaped crafts enter the window and completely vanish. The couple would remain watching the sky for several hours. All the while, these rectangular objects seemingly emerged from the area in question, as if it was a portal allowing access to and from the planet or an alternate dimension. In 2015, a similar incident occurred, and what's more, it would share similar details to a larger craft and a smaller sphere, much to the same as the 1976 incident, the disc-shaped object in broad daylight. It appeared to arrive via a strange portal in the sky once again. It then set out a smaller spherical craft, which moved independently of the larger object. Ahora, Jonas Palabra de Nuestro Patrocino Ador. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Bombshell. The government's once clandestine UFO program will review findings of unexplained materials and crashes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Pentagon has off-world vehicles not made on this earth. This information was released late last week. The story includes official comments provided by the Pentagon to Popular Mechanics as well as New York Times, as well as a clarification of Senator Harry Reid's original comments in the New York Times report. For years, the government has repeatedly changed its tune regarding its official involvement with UFO research. 
As recently as February, a Pentagon spokesperson told Popular Mechanics that while a government program did investigate unmanned aerial vehicles and other unexplained aerial phenomena for some time last decade, funding dried up in 2012. But when Popular Mechanics thoroughly investigated the covert program, multiple sources have indicated it's still ongoing to this day. Now, a new report in the New York Times confirms those accounts. The government's UFO unit currently resides in the Office of the Naval Intelligence, where it deals with classified matters and materials, per the report. Even though the unit itself isn't classified, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force is meant to standardize collection and reporting on sightings of UAVs and publicly divulge at least some of its findings. Twice a year, according to the Times, in a June Senate committee report, the Senate authorized appropriations for fiscal year of 2021 for the task force, supporting its efforts to reveal any links that unidentified aerial phenomena have to adversarial foreign governments and the threat they pose to the U.S. military assets and installations. The committee remains concerned that there is no unified comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomena. Despite the potential threat, the committee understands that the relevant intelligence may be sensitive. Nevertheless, the committee finds that the information sharing and coordination across the intelligence community has been inconsistent. And this issue has lacked attention from senior leaders. Therefore, the committee directs the DNI in consultation with the Secretary of Defense. Jointly consider relevant to submit a report within a 180-day period of the date of enactment of this act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on unidentified aerial phenomena, also known as anomalous aerial vehicles, including observed airborne objects that have not been identified. Senator Marco Rubio, who chairs the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, told a CBS affiliate in Florida that he's most interested in learning from the task force who's responsible for unidentified aircraft spotted over American military bases. Rubio said he hopes the Chinese or Russians or some other adversary hasn't made some sort of technological leap that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. That, to me, Rubio said, is a national security risk and one we should be looking into. While such UAVs may very well come from foreign adversaries, the other possibility, of course, is that we can't pinpoint their origins from anywhere on this planet. And that's where the New York Times report gets really interesting. Harry Reid, the former Nevada senator who was instrumental in funding the original UFO program, told the Times he believes that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved material should be studied. After looking into this, he says, I came to the conclusion that there were reports, some were substantive, some not so substantive, but there were actual materials that the government and private sector have in their possession. An earlier version of this Times article said Reed believed crashes from other worlds had indeed occurred and that retrieved materials had been studied secretly for decades, often by aerospace companies under government contracts. The Times 
has corrected Reed's account, and Reed has since clarified his statements in a tweet below. Popular Mechanics has updated this section of the article accordingly, where Harry Reed says, I have no knowledge, and I have never suggested the federal government or any entity has unidentified flying objects or debris from other worlds. I have consistently said we must stick to science, not fairy tales about little green men. Despite the Pentagon statements that it disbanded a once covert program to investigate unidentified flying objects, the effort remains underway. Officials continue to study mystifying encounters between military pilots and unidentified aerial vehicles. The astrophysicist Eric Davis, who consulted with Pentagon's original UFO program and now works for the defense contractor Aerospace Corporation, told the Times that after he examined certain materials and crashes, he came to the conclusion that we couldn't make them ourselves. In fact, Davis briefed a Department of Defense agency along with Harry Reid as recently as March about retrieving materials of off-world vehicles not made on this planet. And now a word from our sponsor. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. I think it's safe to say that Jimmy Carter was one of my favorite presidents of all time. Uh, he just had a really good heart, a good mind, great backbone and spirit. And you just don't really find that a lot in leadership anymore. And he's someone who even through sickness and well into his 90s has continued to do more and more and as much as he can with his very last breath to help the less than. He's a, a true patriot. Um, the very definition of Christianity, Jimmy Carter would, would sum that up. Uh, Jimmy Carter UFO incident that occurred in 1969 when Jimmy Carter was getting ready to give a speech at a Lions Club meeting. When he spotted an unidentified flying object that became known as the Jimmy Carter UFO sighting. The UFO was witnessed by about 20 people, including Jimmy himself, who became governor of Georgia two years later and served as the U.S. president from 1977 to 1981. The speech was taking place in Leary, Georgia at around 7.15 p.m. when one of the guests at the speech spotted a brilliant white light in the distance. Spotted about 30 degrees above the horizon, this strange unidentified flying object was described by Carter as being as bright as the moon. It was said to approach where Carter and the guests were standing, but suddenly stopped beyond a stand of pines, trees, of course, a good distance away. The Jimmy Carter UFO was then said to change color. According to the reports, it changed from its brilliant white to blue, then red, before changing back to a bright white. Then it flew off into the distance. Carter believed that the UFO he spotted was self-illuminated, but wasn't solid. 
the Jimmy Carter UFO wasn't seen again and remains unsolved. In 1973, Carter himself said, there were about 20 of us standing outside of this little restaurant, I believe a high school lunchroom, and a kind of green light appeared in the western sky. This was right after sundown. It got brighter and brighter, and then it eventually disappeared. It didn't have any solid substance to it, and it was just a very peculiar-looking light. None of us could understand what it was. There were no other UFO sightings or reports that resemble the same object or light from the same time. Without actual images, it's tough to speculate, but it could have been a ball of light from ball lightning, perhaps, or a weather anomaly. Something that our knowledge of physics is unable to explain, or one of the many things that are commonly mistaken for UFOs. Well, I'm done for this week. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. Had a lot of fun talking about the 1976 UFO encounter in the Canary Islands and the ongoing encounters that they've had for decades. Uh, who knows what else will come out from that area that apparently has some sort of a doorway portal, an alternate reality dimensional portal window above it or in it or near it. Uh, sounds a lot like some Bermuda Triangle. Who are we going on? A lot to discuss, a lot more to explore. I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. That's all for this week. Have a great weekend. It's uh, fastly approaching. And thank you so much for listening. I am now available to listen to on Apple iTunes. I've made it to the big league. So you can hear me on all digital streaming platforms now. That is if you want to. See you later. Keep watching the skies because you never know what you're going to see. Hey.